Because you know what the people love? Fast brain. People love fast brain. Or just talking. They do just love talking. The they more that you, you talk uninterrupted, they're yeah. like, you're smart. You, it's an impressive skill. You can, you can say absolutely nothing. The gish gallop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The gish gallop? Gish gallop. It's the, that's the official rhetorical term where you just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Uh, I it's think that it was- I'm writing that down as a lyric. Um, the gish gallop? Yeah, the where gish gallop, from? I've- I feel like this is true, so therefore it is. I think Are you gish galloping was, about what the gish gallop is? I think it was coined during the Scopes monkey trial. Tell more. The uh, the what basically determined <laughs> what we thought was like established legal precedent that you can't teach um, like evol- uh, you can't teach uh, creationism in schools. Because oh. it's not science. Didn't they just uh, start doing that uh, again? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a whole that's like a whole like very real conspiracy. That's the because um, it's not creationism; it's intelligent design, which uh, is uh, is literally creationism to the point where it's it's uh, it's literally they just like did find and replace in like a a textbook and replaced creationism with intelligent design, and then went look at science now. Um, but in the 20s, uh, there was the Scopes trial and the competing lawyer that was arguing on the side of the um, of like we should be able to just talk about God or whatever. Uh, they invented the gish gallop. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it comes from. So I, I was just letting you, you roll. You are basically right, but it's in the 90s. You got off by a lot of years. Oh, they relitigated? The term was coined in the 90s, in 1994, by anthropologist Eugene, Eugenie. Okay. Not just Eugene. Eugene, Eugenie, Eugenie Scott. Yeah. Who named it after American creationist Dwayne Gish and argued that Gish used the technique frequently when challenging the scientific fact of evolution. Okay, so it was. So it, you're it right. It stems from the scope mm-hmm. trial totally. that was coined in the 90s. Yeah, you still get points. Ah, that's it's like totally a nine out of points. ten. That's a nine out of ten. That was a very successful Gish gallop. Uh huh. Because I sounded very confident. So it's, is it just debating in a confident manner with a rapid series of arguments, half truths? Yes. Confidently. And, but confidently. Confidently, without pause, without breath, and it's also um, so it's a it's a bad faith argument tactic uh-huh. in, in which you take advantage of your opponent's good faith efforts. Uh, so what you're doing is you're just presenting a wall of stuff to answer. So then, it's like answering a question with a question, kind of thing. No, it's more than that. So it's it's more like. Okay, two parties go into a debate. They mm-hmm. go into a legal trial or something, okay? Yeah. And theoretically, both parties are representing their point of view in, quote, good faith, which means that you are uh, responding to one another and answering the, uh, you know, the attacks, the questions as they come about. Uh-huh. And that you are in good faith trying to arrive at like a common conclusion or to just present like a factual uh, like set of your beliefs. 
Right. Okay. So good faith. Sure. So gish galloping is a bad faith debate tactic in which you are not actually trying to advance your point of view. You are specifically taking advantage of your opponent's good faith, where you ask, like, you pose 20 different philosophical questions or arguments, and then they have to exhaust their time answering all 20 things. Because to not answer all 20 tangential uh, statements that have been posed to you would be bad faith. And right. I'm a good little lib. Why would I be going in in bad faith? So they are distracted from even making a point by just trying to refute your points. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's been like basically the theme of the last two years, right? Of... It's been the theme of the last 40 years. Well, I feel like there's been maybe that specific style of arguing has been very common in the age of coronavirus. Yeah. It's just mm. always been. Just always been? It feels just like been. a noticeable the that maybe an exponential growth yeah <laughs> but i think it's just always i think it's just always been there well since the 90s it was coined it was coined yeah thank you eugenie thank you eugenie eugenie scott eugenie galloping it's opposite you scott is a last name mm. Mm. bizarro me you can marry eugenie scott be and scott then scott. you could be scott scott that'd be awesome it's like how if I married Sue Summers, I would be Summer Sue Summers. Summers. It cool. is like that. You could just change your name to Summer Summers. I've definitely was like when we were first when I was first like what 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 do I call a band? That's I was like what if it was just like well I wish it was could just it was like what if it's just summer ungoogleable and I was like mm. what if it's like summer summer summer. <laughs> Also ungoogleable. Yeah. Good. So we arrived. It's summer like the season. Well, you're summer like the season. I'm Scott Murphy. And this is I Don't Heart Radio. Good. Uh, so today I want... Hold on. <laughs> Do you're part of the tag. How many times have we done I'm sorry. this? <laughs> I forgot. And I, I... I thought that was like a beautiful entry into the thing. Holy and then shit, I was like, yeah. that was that was the smoothest that entry. So and then you smooth. just totally... I fucking biffed it. You biffed I was it in, hard. I was acting in bid, bad faith. Yeah. I was so I was so entranced in the gish gallop mm -hmm. that I, I did. Uh this could be your next favorite band. Sure could. God damn it. <laughs> What'd you do this morning? I'm going to distract you again with the gish gallop. Uh, I uh, I woke up and I, I, I worked on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You did this. I did you this. You prepared what we're about to listen to. I did prepare. I began the first session of the One Beat Fellowship. You um, are an agent of the state An now. agent of the state, indeed. I got to see the sunset in Egypt over someone's Zoom. That was pretty That's cool. That's nice. Um, yeah. Got to talk to people from all over the world. And, you know, I wish there were more agents of the state is the thing. Because that's a successful state. Yeah. When you're exporting culture, even if it's, you know, for whatever, whatever reasons. That's just good to do. Well, it's just like if you want to prove you are the best, like, wow, we're the coolest country or whatever the like, what's the goal? <laughs> what is the goal of countries? Be the coolest. Be well, the coolest, right? I, I mean, this does They're come like, down. We're the best country. But like, if you're really the best country, you'd have some like good stuff. It's really good and for by, espionage. Yeah, good cultural stuff. Uh -huh. I mean, 
Yeah, like spying. Because, like, there's two things that matter, right? I've been thinking about this a lot, right? Okay. There's just two things that matter. There's okay. science and culture. Those are the two things that matter. Basically, yes. As far as uh, existence. And then, like, science is just um, the understanding of what causes stuff, right? Uh-huh. Like, science is like, what causes stuff? <laughs> what causes all of the stuff? And culture is like, is is an understanding of effect. It's just cause and effect. Effect of of the stuff in terms of being a human. Yeah. Cause and effect. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. If you have to you have to see you're a, the outcome. And if you're a, like a good, you know, if you're like a pretty cool country, you would ha- want to be like we are the master of cause and effect. Yeah. Right? This is correct. And and so I just think it's cool to be a part of this one beat program that it, it, it's like run by the State Department and, you know, having artists, musicians collaborate um, all over the world. But there should be more of it. I mean, we've talked a million times about how Canada does the best job of it. Everyone you listen to, like so much of the good music is Canadian. People don't realize it. Actors are Canadian. Yeah. Actors that you don't realize are all of the cultural things that we, a lot of Avril stuff. Avril Lavigne. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's Canadian. Grimes. Uh, all Everyone on Arbutus that I like. Right. Uh, broken Social Scene, which is stems a dozen bands just right there. Uh, yeah, they're all Canadian. Everyone's they Canadian. They have the. They invest in culture. <laughs> they protect. <laughs> we culture. named like three things, but I. But seriously, so like, look up your favorite band. They're the chance they're Canadian. Secretly so Canadian, even. There's even yeah a yeah. label called Secretly Canadian, which we talked about on the last episode, right? No, yeah. did we? Did yeah, we talk we did. about on the last? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Episode ten. Yes, but they are actually not Canadian. Or are they Canadians running Secretly Canadian? It's definitely based in America. Secretly Canadian. Secretly Canadian isn't Canadian? Well, I one time went to their offices on tour when I was, like, trying to. Is it just an embassy situation? I feel very, uh, now I feel very uh I think it's deceived. like a switchies. Is it a switchie? They might be Canadians living in America that run it, but the... At least the offices were somewhere in America. I can't remember where. I went on a Pocket Candies tour. And we they were like no soliciting, and we were like fuck your sign, and we solicit. dropped a, yeah. a a CD, and we did not. Gotta solicit. I think that you know sometimes sometimes people mean their signs, but sometimes people put those signs up as a challenge of like, are you a f- rule follower? Will you be so bold as to disobey our sign? It's definitely like a fifty fifty. Flip the coin. You're either pissing someone off pretty hard or they're like, respect. <laughs> I'll take that gamble. You hate sign. I don't like authority. No. You want to talk about today's band? Yeah. Who are we listening to? Okay. We were listening to Lightning Cult. Lightning Cult. Lightning Cult. Okay. Where are they from? Uh, they are from New Mexico, mm-hmm. Santa Fe region. Ooh. Uh, the person fronting it, Mike Marchant, uh, was kind of mostly a Denver person before going to New Mexico, mm-hmm. and that's some interesting stuff right there. Uh, I was really happy to find this. This is uh, this album, The Whole Pulse. It came out a couple of months ago. I went and I listened. I dived the deepest 
into the last week of music. And let me tell you, if you released music last week, reconsider <laughs> doing that. It, this well, was, it the, was just this uh, was the roughest week, uh, and not just in in you indie mean world. Releases top down. weren't awesome, or you mean it was a lot of good releases, so it was hard to be noticed. No, it was a lot of absolutely bad jobs. Well, so you should have released music this week. Then. I guess you, you could have well, been a star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have been a star this week. You fucked up. But if you, so I'm saying, if you did, you've so also I'm just fucked up. Like, so everyone's yeah, fucked everyone up. Everyone fucked if up. If you did release music, you fucked up because you have maybe released some subpar music. And if you did not, you could have been a star. Some disappointing. You could have been the number stuff one. That of the could have been really good, but then it's like. The didn't bother bad. to finish it you know finish your stuff and this is this applies to top down i'm not just like i'm not picking on the people that are making stuff in their bedroom i'm even up in the in like the big indie label stuff weak showing mm-hmm. everyone so i had to dive real deep i had to go and find you know some good stuff and this album came out a couple of months ago it is criminally underappreciated it's really 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 Really, really, really good. Are you trying to make up for your, uh, your uh, very even tone last week when you said, "What did you say?" You said it was really. This is a interesting. What did you you called it interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a real interesting interesting one. And then that's you know. This one's really, 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 really good. It's really good. Uh, That's so, like a power of five release. Yeah, factor of five, five factor, uh, five, five really. Yeah. How many reallys are we talking? Are we uh, really to the power of five? Twenty five hundred reallys. Well, that's yeah. Okay. No, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. So, Lightning Colt is basically two people. Uh, they're credited as Mike Marchant. Luke Byrne Carr, and then others probably too. So mm-hmm. they're they're collaborating, they're doing stuff. Uh, Mike came down from Denver to New Mexico, and then Luke has been in Santa Fe for a considerable amount of time. Mm-hmm. And Luke does film and production stuff, really great eye for detail, and then he's got some solo music too, which is very, very good good engineering, mm-hmm. great mixes. And then Mike came from kind of a indie boy singer-songwriter background in Denver and like good songs, but basically uh, a 15-year history of like posting a SoundCloud link and going like here are some jams. Yeah. So we're not really putting together a like a package. No. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know to be an indie boy in 2010 what a kingdom, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, uh, like, kind of heaps of praise on Mike during this time for these, like, jams. Okay. Uh, from, like, AV Club. So SoundCloud was popping off. SoundCloud was popping off, but it wasn't ever, there were there were never really cohesive albums or EPs packaged, just, like, a series of performances. Okay. Where people would be, the like, live good performances. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, live performances. 2010 like wow you managed to play that song okay good job (laughs) you're Uh, saying it has gotten more it's gotten competitive or just like well i think that to be in denver well one soundcloud has been lost to the mumble rap 
Yes. Or not lost if you like mumble rap. I'm not trying to, you know, make a judgment call. I, I like mumble rap as um not like a thing that I like to listen to personally, but I like it as a um response, a retort to my parents because their favorite commentary is that I don't enunciate right. the lyrics enough. And so... Uh, you know, now that there's just a very successful genre based around not right, your parents don't understand the game. Yeah, they they're not totally hip to the the way. Uh, not that I'm trying to have the aesthetic of a mumble rapper, but um, you know. So I'm just sending them links to SoundCloud when I get some feedback. Just SoundCloud, Hell the general yeah. page. Just Here's SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Your mom got really upset about the concept of Bandcamp the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a thing on a on a website linked to our Bandcamp page, and my mom was like, she was like, "Don't you think it's kind of offensive to link people to a place where they'd have to buy stuff?" Was what she said, and I was like, "One, you can still stream it on Bandcamp." Yeah, and two. Yeah, buy stuff. But it's what <laughs> you're. She's also a musician. Yeah, be good to be as good her if career. You, it'd be good if you bought stuff. <laughs> That's you funny, do dude. realize people have to buy stuff. That is commerce. So, uh, what what I'm what I'm kind of saying here is like so. Uh, Marchant's career in Denver was kind of, uh, and this is this is within the bio. Okay, I'm I'm not being ungenerous here he would play and then he would be very drunk and then they would go like good job you did it yeah you know uh the av club wrote that the uh they demonstrated a lackadaisical mastery of dreamy druggy indie folk cool yeah i've dated you (laughs) here are some jams okay i've dated some jams (laughs) so what happened is in the like 2014 Mike got diagnosed with cancer. Oh, geez. Yeah. So he kind of had to do a big reevaluate. Uh, yeah. Which is, uh, this This is what makes this album mm-hmm. happen. Uh, so it's uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is very treatable and okay, but it's still, he's in interviews. It's he's scary. like, I have to figure out what I'm doing. This isn't, uh, this isn't good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so... And then he also dealt with his substance abuse issues, like at the same time. Like, I've got cancer. I've got substance abuse issues. I'm going to go move to New Mexico. I'm sorry, I clapped. I know. Uh, boo. Boo. So, unboo. <laughs> I've got cancer. I've got substance abuse issues. Yes. I'm going to do both of these at the same time. Just drive down Just to New Mexico, stop doing artistic stuff, uh-huh. not do music, not do anything. I'm going to go live on a farm, mm-hmm. you know, really just just dry out, uh, which is that, that's just a classic move. Did you, you know? mean to pun that for going to the desert or? No, it's just my brain. I've got fast brain. You got fast you know? brain. All Where right. Go? He's drying out. Drying out. He meets Luke Burncar. While he's there, uh-huh. and you know, it's burn a f- car, burn car, burn dash car. Yeah, I think it's a hyphen situation. So, like, his dad or mom is burn, and his dad or mom is car. Car. Yeah, 
burn car. That's burn pretty, car. That's pretty metal. That's very metal. Do you think he's got any, like, is he like, okay, well, so he grew up with, like, arson jokes, obviously. We would hope so. So does he have, like, a real, like, anti-fire situation? Like, he's gone the other way? Uh, I don't know, because, like, I grew up, obviously, with, like, summer jokes, right? Right. And so my thing, though, is, like, it's not that it's not, the thing is, I don't mind a a very, very, uh, like, a funny summer pun. Obviously, I named the band Summer Like the Season. We're going to keep plugging that this whole episode, yeah. apparently. We're going to keep talking about it. Uh, no, but, like, I've, I don't mind a good summer pun. The thing is that I've heard all of them, so, like, a bad summer pun is really bad. It's like it's like saying a joke that it's like, when why did the chicken cross the road? You know? It's like, are we yeah. really doing this? So it's like, it's a real hit and miss. If you give me a bad summer pun, which is, like, it's like a 99% chance the thing you think is a good summer pun is a bad bad. one. Yeah. If you give me a bad one, I'm probably going to think you suck for at least like a year following it. Um, before I like give you another chance, but yourself peasant, if you got a good one, that's real, that's actual points. So it's like, that's a big risk reward. I wouldn't recommend it. Listeners. I would not recommend it. Burn car, burn car. He meets Mr. Burn car. Yeah. And then starts to, like, from that meeting, reevaluate his distancing from art. And then they start working together as Lightning Cult. They do two EPs and then this album. Uh, This album, The Whole Pulse, is a really, really cohesive statement from Mm -hmm. beginning to end. Uh, There is a... um, Basically, it's about death and impermanence, and there are lots of lyrics about the feeling of that... Your your actions now are what reverberate through time, like upon your passing, and huh. that that's what that's the huge focus here. So it's not impermanence in in the set, in typical interpretation of it. Yeah, it's more that sounds more permanent in that. Well, that there's your, a the impermanence is like your physical form form and your like your thinky bits, uh-huh. you know? But that we should all be striving to leave a lasting impact that, you know, echoes through time. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful message. That's, uh, you know, the exact quote is, I'm interested in exploring the reverberations that arrive after someone or something significant is gone and the ways we interact with those reverberations. Well, that's a great thesis statement. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, a great thesis statement can really make a band. Uh, most bands don't have any sort of thesis statement. And not that you necessarily. You don't need one. I don't know, though. It, I think that, I, and it can be evolving, but I do think like every good album I've heard has one. Yeah. Even if it's not directly stated, it could be somewhere. It could be, you know. You could find it. Right. You could find a through line. Uh-huh. Uh, and this one is very thought out. Uh, they've divided it into three acts. Mm-hmm. So um, there's act one, the tropics, act two, the caves, and act three, the sky. And uh, they're basically four song suites that, uh, that are in each act. Mm-hmm. And they carry a very, very different feel like i started by playing habitat one which is the last song on act two 
uh, and it's very, very expansive. It's very um, melancholy. Yeah, I think I think it's the uh, within the caves that group of songs. Yeah, those are very inwardly uh, focused on probably you know your own personal impermanence. That's what's that's what's happening there. It used and to then, be in a band called Caves, and that's about what every song was about. Ah, yeah, yeah. So, so Act Two. I'm familiar. You know, uh, and then Act Three opens up into the sky, and that's where we it kind of picks up the tempo, and that's kind of uh, uh, the um, learning to see death through a warm lens is the is uh, yeah. the quote there. So. Uh, you know, just not being down in the dumps about it. And it sounds like not uh, even seeing it as the end. It's the end of you, but seeing your, like, if... The, yes, the, the echoes a, through time. Yeah, which, I mean, I do think is, you know, any positive or negative thing you do. I mean, even in one day, it, you can watch it. Just be mean to one person, and then they'll be grumpier the rest of the day. I mean, everyone knows when someone's... Obs- you know, has an outburst at them, they're, you tend to be on edge more with the next person you have a conversation with. And same for positivity. Right? Hell yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, absolutely not. No, you're right. That's not how it goes. You're right. <laughs> Summer's right. Summer is mostly right most of the time. Like how much of the time? 95%. That's a pretty good... That's pretty yeah, good. I'll take, those, I'll take those odds. I think that you're reverberating really nicely into the future scape. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. I sure hope so. Uh, this is a really good album, and I think that everyone should pick it up. Uh, it came out on June 10th, so it's been out for like a month. Uh, and... Like boost it up. It's on uh it's out of Cloud Command Sound, which is uh uh you know, New Mexico, small, small label. I think that Burn Car runs it if I'm diving deep enough correctly. You doing a little stock. A little stock. Uh and that's basically, you know, that is Lightning Cult. Cool. I like the name. Where'd the name come from? Do you know? I don't know that there isn't like a, a statement on that, but it rhymes with lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. Wondering if it might just be. They they yeah. like, do you think they like lightning bolt the band or just lightning bolt? Well, lightning bolt is a concept. <laughs> right, you know? right, right, right. So right. lightning cult. Lightning bolts, the sky. Reverberating through right. time. Right, yeah, yeah. I think that this is very, this isn't, this is very purposefully not inwardly focused i think that we're looking out to the sky we're Uh looking out to you know the cosmos we've moved from denver to new mexico bigger (laughs) bigger sky bigger that is bigger sky yeah bigger (laughs) thinky times slightly less stoned on average Mm, yeah 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 yeah, definitely yeah an average denver as a city is definitely more stoned than any other city Right? Can you think of a... I can't think of a more stoned city. Right. No, it's, yeah. Denver, number one. The works of Lightning Cult and the two members have been critically acclaimed. Um, like the... Yeah, I mean, AV 
AV Club. I was about to say AV Cult. AV Club. Hell yeah. AV Cult. Cult. Uh, Lightning Cult, this album was on um, the band camp New and Notable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it is very good and it deserves critical praise. But I kind of wanted to examine how worthwhile are the perspective of critics. Okay. You know? Like, sometimes they can really whiff it. Well, I think what's interesting is, like, no one's ever taken... So, like, critics are usually only writing about things that are already famous. Yes. Or, which is part of the reason we started this podcast. Or about things that are up and coming that are, like basically being deemed as this should be famous is going to be famous. There's been enough things that have pushed this band at a critic to be like, you must pay attention or you won't be in the know. And with something like that, of course they're going to say it's good. I think it's very rare that there's an up and coming thing that's pushed at a critic that they're like, no, this actually sucks. Basically, if you have any sort of spicy opinion, it's about something that's famous. And I feel like we've mainly already had like, I feel like we've been burnt out on a spicy critic opinion uh, on anything. I, I feel like it's it's reversed. And the spicy opinions we get is that a thing is good that's supposed to not be cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, the spiciest critic, like, repost articles you see is, like, you know, Pitchfork thinks Taylor Swift's album is great. Like, that's the spicy opinion. Yeah. Is that, like, a thing that's very, very popular is actually good. Right. So what about, and that's absolutely right. That is the problem with the uh, the modern critical lens is that it is focused on something that has already accumulated like kind of massive uh, popularity or like lots of eyes on something. And when you're writing a critique of something that has, say, like a thousand hot takes already written about it on Twitter, you can just kind of farm from it and you can you can kind of mine the zeitgeist to mm-hmm. form your critical opinion, which is, you know, boring. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I would also be I don't really read opinion pieces on music these days. And not that I ever really did. That wasn't my way. But I think I got second down filter of that. Like I had a lot of friends that read music blogs and then they I would get the second down filtering of they would show me the music that was stand out from them. And these days that's just not how I find anything. No. But I don't think it's how most people find things. It's a bad time. Uh I've got I've got a real train wreck here. Okay. So uh and this is for a book. A novel even that uh is very critically acclaimed that lightning cult is involved with no we're we're in we're the pat. second okay, we're, we're in, in the, the second, second act part. we're we in go, the act we go two. into act 2 it's like we're in a radio lab i was lab. like we radio we've lab. done you know i <laughs> this american life which is, one has acts this is episode 11 is this jad and, and this is the format that you said was good <laughs> which is we talk about a band and then i find a loose thread to uh-huh. get to a second bigger concept. All right, act two. And we've hit act two. Present. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the concept of critical acclaim, uh-huh. as we were talking about a technically critically acclaimed band. Yes. And I found 
a time in which critical acclaim, I think, was a little bit askew, and it is on a novel, a major novel published in the year 2020. Okay. Gish Gallop. Let me gish gallop you. Actually, this isn't gish galloping. This is a singular focus here. Okay. Yeah, this is good faith, too. This is a fun time. (laughs) You're having a good time. The Washington Post said that this is, uh, I'm not going to, I'm editing. You're not telling me the book? I'm not letting you know the book. Okay, you're just reading. We're going to read the reviews. Okay, so, so you're talking about critical acclaim of a book because we're talking about when critical acclaim can go awry as in it doesn't reflect in the useful... nature of the work. Okay, the nature of the work. Okay, sure. Sure. Okay. Onward. So, I'm editing slightly so that we don't do the big reveal. Okay. The Washington Post says that this novel descends like an avenging angel. Here in the pages is the story of not what happened, but what could have happened. This isn't just fiction as fantasy. It's fiction as therapy. NPR declared it a moving, technically brilliant book that made me think more than any other in recent memory about the aims and limits of fiction. It asks us to imagine a different world. And from there, what a short, excruciating, hopeful leap it is to everything could be different. Uh, This is the author at her best by the Wall Street Journal. Uh, It's gripping by the Chicago uh, Tribune, Los Angeles Time. Uh, People declares it wild and witty. I like Uh, how these get shorter as they go. It's like a long sentence, and they're just like gripping. The... uh, Publishers Weekly, it's, uh, you know, always sharp, and I am editing, you know, I'm getting, I'm editing you're the getting, edits. Okay, you're editing the edits. Book list, called it daring, provocative, Are you redacting? Funny. Yeah, yeah. Uninteresting, okay. I'm, I'm redacting the uninteresting, also the things that would reveal the title of the book. Okay. Okay, but I think that, you know, NPR, LA Times, Washington Post, Pretty much your. Is this like mind comp? What is the what book are we doing? Well, I'm gonna read a passage. Can I guess? Can I keep guessing? Yeah, yeah. All right. What about the um, the uh, Tom Brady's biography? No. Um, Art of the Deal. No, it's not gonna be. (laughs) This is. You ready for some fucking passages? Yeah. All right. From just the remember, novel. From the novel. Okay. The technically brilliant, perfect novel. Mm-hmm. Gripping. Gripping. <clears throat> Gripping. I kissed his bare shoulder. There's nothing I need besides you. But what's that? Next to the armchair, a black rectangular case about two feet in length had caught my eye. Like a suitcase. It had a handle and two metal clasps. Is this Fifty Shades of Grey? It's my saxophone, he replied. You play the saxophone? No, I just left the case there to impress you. It's empty. Lightly, he flicked my clavicle with his thumb and middle finger. Is this my diary? Of course I play. 
You'll have to show me sometime, I said. And the next thing I knew, he'd bounded out of bed, and I was offered an unobscured view of his pale buttocks as he bent, opened the case, and pulled out the golden instrument. Still naked, he turned around, inserted the mouthpiece between his lips, and began playing when the saints go marching in. Not, uh, and then here's another passage. Okay. <laughs> what book are we reading? None of the, well, it's a technically brilliant book that pushes the bounds of what uh-huh. fiction can be. Okay. None of this was remotely like what I felt with Roy or Eddie. I'd regarded their semen as, if not disgusting, then as messy and mildly regrettable, like a spilled glass of water. What is happening? <laughs> a technically brilliant book. Okay. Can I can we can we find out? Oh, we're about to. I've gotta give <laughs> we're I've got this all planned out. Alright. I you got one more for us? Yeah, we can go we can get <laughs> We can go to the roadhead scene. We were on the highway, not close to other cars or trucks, and I reached up to my hips, hooked my thumbs into the waistband of my underwear, and pulled them to my ankles, above my sandals, without taking them off. Please don't get pulled over, I said, and after that, I really couldn't speak. I was writhing against his fingers. I lasted about two minutes, and then I was saying as quietly as I could, Oh, baby, Bill. Bill, baby. I love you so much, Bill. Is this Monica Lewinsky's? It, you're very uh, close. <laughs> uh, I'm close? That was close? You are close. Oh, shit. Uh, and then Hillary refuses to blow him. That is... Wait, what? Yeah. This is Rodham, a fan fiction... Well, it's not fan fiction. It's a novel. It's a very serious novel that was published in the year 2020 in which it was a reimagining of if Bill and Hillary hadn't gotten married. But it is just filled with... It's just Bill fucking other people? Oh, well, fucking Hillary. This is all from the perspective of Hillary Rodham Clinton. Wait, what? Yes, this is this is all written in first person, and it's just endless- Can you sue over something like this? I really think that you could. <laughs> this feels like it wasn't, it feels like this shouldn't have been written. This feels absolutely cursed. How did you even find this? Were it was a like- hit. This was a hit. You were just looking for hits that shouldn't have been I ever am, made? I'm on the internet all the time. Uh-huh. And when I just, you know, when I see an article that's like, here's a book that talks about how Hillary Clinton feels about cum, I can't help but look. Wait, when? But, like, okay, is this, like, bookmarked? or? <laughs> yeah, I've got all these saved. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm just collecting content. I am the content collector. Right. That is that is my job. Uh-huh. That is what I provide to society. So, 
I mean, I could see how this could be because people are just so into scandal, right? Like, uh-huh. I kind of thought it was going to go like fan fiction, just retelling of the story, but like from a sexy place. Right. Like, like, like sexy Bill and Monica. Yeah. No, this is an imagined history in which Bill and Hillary don't get married, but they because meet. Because they think, they think that the marriage is what was bad in that yeah. relationship. It wasn't like the him liking like underage girls and the her maybe like, I don't know. Do we think Hillary's gay? I don't I get think. Gay. I get gay vibes. You, you don't get, get gay, gay vibes? vibes? I do, and I don't know if I'm totally off base. Huh. Sorry if I'm off base. Apologies. Well, I don't you mean could, to just because obviously no, like, you that's could like be the... As, uh, you could be as off base as you want. You could write it feels a like Hillary it was a deal. Rodham lesbian fanfic, uh-huh. publish it, and get NPR to call you a brilliant, daring, like, masterwork author. author. Yeah, I mean, so, I well, seems like it did well. Oh, I mean, it was top ten on... Just in the year, 2020 was crazy, you know? We're, we're dealing that with- That was 2020. That was 2020. This came is out- Is this pre-pandemic or- This is right in the middle of it. Mid-pandemic. Yeah, is, it is. This is just like- Of course it is. I'd read that in the middle of the yeah, pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Horny NPR book reviewers <laughs> are like, this is getting me through. This is, <laughs> this is technically brilliant. I need, actually what I need to do is I need to convince the world that this is a technically brilliant work of so art. So I feel less weird about so reading I, it? Yeah. Because, I mean, okay, here's the thing. You brought this, it, the topic you were bringing this to was when critical acclaim is like failed and doesn't actually like represent the work. Uh huh. You know, but I, now that I know the context of this being released in 2020, you disagree. Mid pandemic, I think that, like, like you said, whatever gets got you through, everyone found some weird, something weird. <laughs> everyone got some weird stuff. Everyone had something weird happening. You got a cabin in the woods and just like talked to people on the internet exclusively for like six months. Very true. And then the and the book reviewers of NPR. They needed something. They got something. And that's, you know, everyone needs something. The book is called Rodham, and you can purchase it on any platform. It's like 20 bucks. Hell yeah. I hope she's making residuals. Hillary? Yeah. I, I would, I mean, I don't think that she gets paid, unfortunately. That's fucked up. That is fucked up. Just because she's a public figure, they can just use yeah, her I think name? Yeah, I think you could just technically do this. I think you can how publish. public fi- On the gradient of public figure, like how many followers do you need for it to be cool? Because could you, could you do that about just a friend? Like if I just wrote a novel about <laughs> like you... Fucking a dog. Like, wild. <laughs> I don't know why I went there, but like, you know. <laughs> Were you on the front page of Reddit today? No, I actually don't think I opened Reddit today. Oh, Someone okay. Someone fucking a dog? Maybe yeah. I did. I feel like I ambient scroll sometimes. Did you ambient like, scroll? Because the, it was the brain? 10 year anniversary of Colby 2012. Probably. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. Well, so okay. it could be, you know, you, whatever. Just. 
I'm <laughs> fucking a dog. Yeah, like, couldn't you sue me for libel? But then if it's, like, a celebrity fucking a dog in well, a, like, imagined fanfic. So that's, that's a question. If it's presented as fiction, mm-hmm. I think that that's technically fine. I think that if you Even were, like. Even if it's about a specific person. I think that if you were, like, this is a fictional telling of my friend Scott fucking a dog <laughs> fictionally. Uh-huh. I think that that's free speech. Is that free speech? Is I think that, that I goes? have the right to say Fuck I don't. You. I I don't like, like yeah like that don't you've love written it. an entire four hundred fifty page novel uh-huh. about me fucking a dog. Right, that'd be bad. I, I I don't know if we could be friends anymore. Right, but I don't think I have legal recourse. Huh. I don't know. Which is Lawyers good. write in. Is this accurate? Is this an accurate interpretation of the law? Tell us at I don't heart radio pod at gmail.com. Can you just write a fanfic about anyone? Yeah. Anyone? Anyone. Your boss? I th- I mean, I think that would be especially protected. Would you have workplace protections against being fired? But that seems sexual harassy because, like, what if your boss wrote a fanfic about you? Oh, that feels bad. That feels that's bad. bad. Right? That's probably bad. So, but could you do it the other way or is it just bad? Is it just bad? I mean, is it bad? It is. Like, legally, though. Right. Legally, though. Legally, though. <laughs> If it's fiction, uh huh, and you're—I I mean, we're if asking you're, the tough questions on this podcast. If you're like directly harassing someone with, like, if you put it on their desk, uh huh, that's probably bad. But if you, oh, were to that's just, definitely bad. If you were to just publish it, I don't know. That seems maybe bad. You're I, just publishing it on the internet. Were you publishing no, through it? a publisher? Oh, all right, through like channels, through an official, through an this official is a, channel. Like, but you can is just, an official book. You can just publish anything now, though. Just because I knew someone who was um, writing a a book, and they publish, they you can publish your own book. You can put it on Amazon, and you know, you can just you can make it look all official. Right. Rodham was officially. I think it's Penguin. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they it got was, an advance for 2020. that. Yeah, I mean they wrote they wrote one that was like through the perspective of Laura Bush too. Th- this is a known this is a real author. This is just their thing though. This is their thing. They just like jack off to some like weird Yeah. imagined Imagine Lib Paradise. <laughs> this is this is just where Lib's really this is this is a really off the track stuff. <laughs> they all got together and went, This is good. We like huh. this imagining of it's not just Bill Clinton's dick. It's Bill Clinton's dick as thought of by Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Hillary Rodham. Right. Right. Never to become because that's where it went awry or that's like where, why? Yeah, yeah. There's well, there's a whole thing where it's like been independent. Oh, no, it gets worse because like they split up and then she actually becomes like she becomes good friends with Donald Trump and then Donald Trump helps fund her political career. It's really, this is really bad. <laughs> this is some really bad shit. And then, and then Hillary and Bill reconnect in like the year 2016 when Hillary's president. And Oh, she becomes president. Y- yeah, she's president. So they're saying Bill's or the like reason run, it didn't successfully work? Successfully running for president. Yeah, Bill's the reason. 
Uh, she's president or about to be president, and then they get back together. Bill is the and reason. I get, really, yeah. really, Bill is the reason. It's not that everybody wanted Bernie. Right. It, that yeah. could be it. Oh, no, Bernie is, is believe it or not, Bernie is not Bernie included? is not a character. Oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Random Vermont resident run over by snowplow. <laughs> uh, yeah, they'd get off to that scene for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The horniest scene in this book just is just unknown Bernie Sanders being run over by a socialist snowplow <laughs> in the year 1984, never to gain political prominence. Uh, yeah, and then I they... was just in the road trying to tell them that we should all work together. And I don't, I don't have the passage, but it's really bad because they're reconnecting in 2016. Bill's governor or something. Did you read this whole book? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I work for this podcast. So you read the entire novel. I mean, I sk- I wasn't like you read the close whole reading. Book. Okay, but there's a there's a whole thing where Bill's governor, and then he's got a sex scandal happening in which he like totally showed his dick like. You know, to some people, right? Because he's yeah, 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 yeah. Because he's Bill Clinton, Uh and then the thing is, is that Hillary's perspective on it is like, I don't. I mean, he had such a nice penis, and I liked seeing it. So I don't see how someone couldn't have liked seeing his penis. That's her interpretation. That's her interpretation. That's in the fantasy world that has been presented here is that like Bill Clinton is still a sex pest, (laughs) but Hillary Clinton. Because she loves willing his to dick. ignore it. They've been split up for twenty years. I don't think and that's why just, she's down to ignore the sex pest. It was just such a nice penis. No, 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 no. It had nothing to do with the power or the political structure or anything. It was because it was a particularly good penis. Man, and cum that she liked. All the other cum was gross. <laughs> Oh, if that isn't men writing women, I've never... It's a woman! No! It's a woman! No! This was written by a woman! Is she gay and just making up stuff? (laughs) Because no one has especially good anything. Like, that's not... (laughs) What? What is happening? It was written by a woman? This was written by a woman. Well, way to break... Gender stereotypes, you also can't write women. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I tried to drop that in when I was reading the reviews. I was like, she is tech. I was was trying to to soft sell this. No, this this has all been written by a woman. Huh. I don't, I don't even know how I feel about that. I mean... I don't feel great about the whole... You don't feel great about the whole thing. I just wanted to put this piece of... I think that this is what should be remembered the most from uh-huh. this era. That the novel Rodham, in which Hillary Rodham just really thinks that Bill Clinton's dick is just the best dick, uh, was that it was top ten. On like, on like New York Times or something? New York Times, NPR, Washington wow. Post, Book of the Year. So, in summary, are, are you just saying that critics 
that we shouldn't really listen to him that much. You should really just be getting all of your news and critical analysis from the I Don't Heart Radio podcast. Yeah, right, 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 uh, right, right, right. Which you can support by going to www.atonof.com. A-T-O-N-U-V. U-V, that's the tricky part. It's like a ton of music, a ton of records, a ton of, but the of, it's not O-V, O-F. It's UV. It's UV. I've just made it more confusing. This makes it very searchable. Yeah, look at us go. Look at us go. Uh, we're also in a band. It's called Summer Like the Season. I said it like 10 times in this episode. You can check it out uh, at Summer Like the Season Music on Instagram. And then Scott is at a ton of, A-T-O-N-U-V underscore mastering. Um, and we have a show coming up if you happen to be in or around the Detroit area or on August 3rd. Or if you're not 3rd. and you want to fly in. Yeah, fly in. Um... Uh, we are playing at the UFO Factory, one of my favorite venues in Detroit City, with Ocean Above, uh, our friends in indie electronic uh, live band stuff, and then a duo from Cincinnati whose music we really, really dig. They're called Turtle Doves, uh, Radiohead-esque vibes, uh, super incredible songwriting. Uh, I kind of want to cover them on this podcast. I don't know. We've been leaning. We've been trying to not cover people we've personally know has been kind of we've been trying to keep it and if we do any personal people we personally know i think we're going to try to do that in more of an interview style than us just talking about them because that feels weirder um but their music is incredible totally underrated they should be famous very good songwriting uh beautiful recordings uh check out their spotify or Bandcamp or whatever and come see them live turtle doves that's my pitch. Good pitch. Uh, if you have a band that we should know that we don't know, and why don't we know it, and why aren't we talking about it, it's because we don't know it, and you can show it to us. <laughs> Bad pitch. I don't heart radio pod at gmail.com. Subject line. Show it to me. <laughs> thought you were going to do Rodham. Yeah. <laughs> show it to me, Rodham. <laughs> 